0: Hi, I'm Karina. I'm the Music Ministry Director at Every Nation Auckland City. We are a multicultural, multigenerational, socially responsible church that makes disciples. We hope this message inspires you to honour God and make disciples. We've been talking about voices, 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 voices. Voices everywhere. There are waves, airwaves, radio waves floating through this room right now. There's there's words everywhere. We just tune into some of them. Some animals hear voices of their own kind of different frequencies. There's voices that are all around us, and the cacophony, the clouding of voices causes so often the voice that really matters to be muted. Hard to even find. How do we tune in to God's voice? Not all voices are equal, would you agree? Not all voices are equal. The voices of those that we love, that we hold so clear and so dear and intimate to us. What they have to say means a whole lot than the ranting, raving lunatic on the radio talkback. Although I'm sure their voice matters to somebody, but just not me right now. Voices everywhere. We've been talking about voices, and we're in week three right now. That's three, everybody. And the first one was all about this beautiful invitation to intimacy with God and a relationship that's filled with communication. We serve a God who speaks. He's not lying under the ground six feet. He's not some stone statue or one of a hundred million different deities you may choose on any particular time. He's a person, a real person who speaks. He's a spirit. He speaks our preferred language 24-7 intimately. It's an amazing thing. And then the second week, which was last week, we looked at this thing called distraction. Don't worry about the noise. It's just an aircraft going over our roof. We talked about distraction, things that stop us from traction toward him and in, our, and in our life and in our destiny and our plans. Our world is so distracted at times. I'm so distracted, I feel I start shaking if I don't have my phone in my hand, even while I'm watching a movie. Ding, ding, buzz, zzz, vibrate, zzz, ding, ding. Concentrate, Richard. The world is full of distractions. Would you agree? Unless you like to live a monastic lifestyle like some monk away from everything, you probably, like me, are fighting to find freedom, clarity, peace, presence, and stillness in the moments. Today, the third segment, I'm calling it When you're in love. When you're in love, has anybody in the room been in love? Husbands, you better have your hands up right now. Anybody been in love? You know what it's like when you're in love. When walking in the rain is romantic and not annoying. (laughs) La la land. Just thinking about that person. Oh, what a sleep, (laughs) just thinking, talking, about nothing, but talking and spending crazy sums of money on that crazy good person because we're in love. Did you know God is so in love with you? He's thinking about you right now. He might even want to speak to you through this message. Are you tuned in? If you find the distraction of that thing, ding, 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 in your pocket, then, or beside you on the chair, maybe just turn it off. It's okay. You won't die. We'll make it through. It's possible. All things are possible through Jesus. And your phone turned off. God is so in love with you. Because he loves you, he wants to protect you and I, he wants to guide us, he wants to, and he's able to provide us. The great prophet Isaiah in chapter 28, he says this in verse 23 Listen and hear my voice, pay attention and hear what I have to say. The prophet Isaiah, Isaiah, but Jeremiah chapter 29, many of you will know that so well. The prophet Jerry tells us that God has a personal plan for your life. You could turn to your neighbor now and say, did you know that? He's got a plan for your life, a blueprint for your life and my life with your name on it, with your full name on it. Not your Facebook name, Filipinos, your full name. You know what I'm saying there to my Filipina family? You can never quite track them down. I try to stalk you. Not really. Although sometimes I do try to find you. That's true. I'm trying to learn your names. God has a personal plan. It says here in chapter 29, verse 11 of Jeremiah, that he has a personal plan to prosper you and to give you a plan, not for calamity, but a plan of hope and a future. Does anybody agree? Do you believe that God has a plan for your life and my life? Do you believe that God has numbered your days and every day he has a purpose for your very existence when he puts breath in your lungs and the the ability to move your hands and your body and be able to think intellectually and bring people across? your path. Do you think God has a plan for your life? I believe he does. And I've got to be honest with you. Sometimes I've taken my eyes off that plan. Sometimes I've just wasted lots of time. Sometimes I've just gotten distracted. But other times I've actually hurt myself and maybe worse, hurt other people around me, thinking that I know better allowing with full entitlement to say what I want to say and do what I want to do, and I deviate off the plan of God for my day. I've hurt people. I've disappointed myself. I stand before you today with regrets. They no longer have a hold on my soul and my life. God has forgiven me. But there's scars, 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 that remain, and I want them to remain because they remind me of my foolishness and my flesh sometimes. And they remind me to captivate and keep in front of me the plan of God for my life. I've taken my eyes off the Lord so many times. It's been a long time since I've done anything too major, but I'm very aware of my propensity and my temptations to be able to drift from his plan. I think it might just be the same for you. And as followers of Jesus, I'm sure we want to avoid pain, regret, and loss. How do we stick to that plan? How do we stick to that plan that God has for our lives? And I I don't want you to guess, we don't have to guess today because like I told you before, God is a speaking God. God tells us of his plans in all kinds of different ways. Now, now, these days, I tend to communicate with my children really through two primary ways, but I'm thinking back in the day with my four sons, if you didn't know from, well, from the youngest is now 21, for goodness sake, I'm feeling old. My oldest is 30-something, my goodness, now I'm feeling really old. But back in the day when we were busy with four kids, I can remember, I can remember having to communicate with more than the current amount of ways. I remember calling on a phone. Can you remember a phones? I can remember this kind of phone. I can remember getting a phone call from my wife. We're homeschooling and she says, darling, I need you to talk to the boys. I'm pulling in the principal of the homeschool right now. They're not obeying what I'm saying. They're giving me all kinds of griefs. And of course, like Superman that I am, running to the rescue of my damsel in distress. I said, put the boys on the phone, whoever that boy might have been. And I'm not gonna meet your names right now. <laughs> but I'd talk to that boy in a very warm and polite and encouraging way. But I'd, t- I'd use it my, through the phone voice. I have sent messages to my sons. I've spoken verbally to my sons. I've spoken to the eldest and told him to relay the message from me. You see, different ways of communicating same dad, same person, same voice, but different ways. Pastor Alfred's not on the front row, but I think I have about six different communications going on just with that one man email, vocal, WhatsApp, messenger, group chat. We do everything but write love notes. And pigeon carriers, same people, different ways, same voice. Did you know that God speaks same voice but in different ways? Did you know that? Today I want to touch on and give you something of a teaching, and then we're going to land the plane with hopefully a little bit of inspiration. I want to pick up on the four most common ways that God speaks. Same God, same will, same plan, same voice, just different ways of communicating with you. And I'm going to pick up the idea, the theme of the Olympics, if you don't mind, because in my humble opinion, not all of those ways are As reliable as the other. That was a very funny way of pronouncing it. Not all of the ways that God communicates as uh, maybe reliable, or they, can you say, uh, some need more inspection. They should be treated with some skepticism. It's valid, it's real, but it needs to be judged. It needs to be weighed up. It needs good, good thinking, good, good counsel. But you know what? There are some that are a bit more rock solid. Absolutely, you can trust it all the way to the bank. Is anyone tracking me right now? So I'm going to use the theme of the Olympics, and we have got in fourth place what I'm going to call prophecy. It's not getting a medal, but it's absolutely worthy of respect. Uh, Prophecy. God speaks to people through men and women. The the Bible talks about and we believe, and I've indeed received it and seen many in this room receive a prophetic word, a prophecy through a man or a woman. It's a spiritual gift called prophecy. Has anyone in the room received a prophecy? absolutely. The purpose of prophecy is not to condemn, it's not to expose, it's not to belittle, it's to comfort, it's to encourage people, and it's to strengthen people. And prophecy can be over a nation, it can be over a church, or it can be over an individual. God speaks through prophecy, but you see, we have to be careful with prophecy because the prophets they know in part, they see in part. They haven't got the whole deal. In fact, the Bible says we should judge prophecy. If a prophet says to a husband, divorce your wife for no apparent reason, you know it's not from God. We have to judge it. We have to judge prophecy. There are so many people that want to hang their hat on the uncertain and re- instead of the certain. They chase the mystical and the prophetic, but they're never anchored in a local church, never under good leadership. They just wander around the place like some cloud of smoke chasing the prophet. Can I tell you, there is absolutely a spiritual gift of prophecy, but you don't just lead your life based on prophecy, Very unwise, very dangerous. I'm being a good pastor right now. I'm teaching you where prophecy belongs. It is a powerful instrument. I've received about 30 of them, and they've really encouraged me. But I don't chase them. I realize no matter how much that man or woman is, a man or a woman of God, they see in part And they know in part, and timing and interpretation, it needs to take time over prophecy. Can someone say amen to that? Even the word of God says that prophecies will cease, but the word of God will not ever cease. So it has its place. It has its part It's to be respected, cultivated, stewarded, and brooded over with prayer. But it sits there in fourth place. Coming up right behind it is a bronze medal. I'm going to call this godly counsel. Not all counsel is godly. That friend you just message away because you know they're, they 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 think you're awesome. They, not every voice is valid. I'm talking godly counsel. People who know the scripture. People who have a lifestyle of faithfulness. People who who you'd like to emulate. They they have a discerning spirit about them. Godly sorrow, a godly counsel. Godly sorrow. (laughs) Well, it does involve that too. This might be a connect group leader. Discipleship. I just think a Christian without discipleship is totally nuts. How can we dream and think that we can accurately look at how we're tracking with God's plan? Godly counsel. I love the story in the Bible of Eli and Samuel. Oh, wow, what a story. Samuel, the prophet, uh, young boy, sorry, and Eli, the prophet, they're, they're sleeping in the tabernacle. Samuel's there. He's just a kid. And there's Eli. And God spoke. God spoke. Samuel, he called Samuel's name. And look what Samuel did. I want you to get this. And Samuel got up and he went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. My son, Eli, said, I did not call you. Go back to bed. Eli heard God, but it sounded kind of like his mentor. God used a human being. Eli had the discernment and the wisdom of God to say, ah, that wasn't me, Samuel. That was God. See, God uses other people. Sometimes we need spiritual leaders to help us discern the call of God in our lives. Do you have an Eli in your life? Do you have someone with flesh on. Preferably, can I say, in this country. And actually, I'd like to say in this church that you can go to. It might be a parent. It might be pastor, an elder, a connect group leader. It could be a beautiful old saint that doesn't have any functional responsibilities, but they're established. They've got a track record. They're wise. Do you have an Eli in your life? That you think God spoke to you and you go to that person and say, hey, what's, what's God saying here? It says in Hebrews and many other places, uh, obey spiritual leaders and do what they say. I could even feel it right now. What do you mean obey spiritual leaders? The Bible says to submit ourselves to spiritual leaders, to obey them and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls and they are accountable to God. Especially when you're making big decisions. If you're deciding you're going to enter into a marriage with another person, it's probably, in fact, I'm going to say it's absolutely a very good idea to get godly counsel from your pastor or from an elder or a connect group leader who knows you. Regularly, we have people leave this church when they met somebody for one month. They just know them for one month, and they're leaving the church and going to their church to, to spend their time there. But they've actually made a commitment to be in this church right here don't you think it would make sense to get godly counsel from a leader of any church? I'm thinking of shifting countries. I'm thinking of pursuing this relationship. There's all kinds of cool decisions, big decisions that need godly counsel. And I think that will help us make better decisions. Get someone in your life that you trust. To me, these are big decisions. When God puts you in a church family, if God calls you into a church family, in my opinion, you need to be called out of a church family. You just don't chase some cute little guy or some cute little girl and hang out there. There's an intermediate stage, but get counsel. If a pastor is really a shepherd, if a pastor or an elder or a connect group leader really does love the sheep, they will want what's best for that person, and they will want, they will encourage them. That does that includes encouraging them to go somewhere else. But big decisions, ladies and gentlemen, shifting cities and going to a place where you don't know anyone. We've got to think about these things. Marrying someone that's not a Christian—it's unbiblical. Incredibly unwise. The Bible's clear about these things, and yet we just let our emotions and our thoughts and our preferences and our individuality just lead us and direct us, and we wonder why we end up with loss, brokenness, and regrets. Get godly counsel, please. Have an Eli in your life. Let's go up to the silver medal. (laughs) The still, small voice. Some people call this the, the gentle whisper, the internal voice of the Holy Spirit, the inner conviction. Elijah had this experience in 1 Kings 19. He, he encountered God in a powerful, powerful way. God said, come up the mountain, and he was right there. And then he said, God said to Elijah, I want you to go out of the mountain and stand there. And it says, a great wind came by, but the Lord was not in it. And then an earthquake came by, and the Lord was not in it. Then it says in verse 12 of chapter 19, and after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. I think most of us, when I was talking about voices last week and the week before, were thinking about this, right? I encourage us to take 10 minutes a day to switch off, disconnect, and wait on God, and ask him, God, please speak. If you're like me, you heard God internally, and you wrote things down. God said things, both encouraging and correcting to me. Have you heard the still, small voice of God? God's living and breathing, technicolor, speaking different ways. This is one of the most powerful ways and just like God spoke to Elijah, just like God spoke to Moses and Ruth and all the way through the Old and the New Testament, even today, like Sarah and Peter, Ruth, all these beautiful people, friend, he wants to speak to you. We just got to tune in, slow down, get alone with God, be quiet. You see, God's not going to talk to you when there's a whole bunch of noise everywhere we go. I feel the temptation myself from the radio to the mall, everywhere there's noise. Sometimes it's just really hard. To listen. Maybe get alone. Switch off. Maybe some background worship if that helps you. Some people study in silence, some prefer music. Whatever works, the point is to be still on the inside and take time. Have you got time for God? Psalm 37 verse 7 says, Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. God's not impatient. God is not in a rush. I sure wish he would be sometimes, but he's not In fact, he's outside of time and he controls time. Why are you rushing everywhere? Why is our day so crammed with schedules and expectations? And our soul becomes polluted with clutter and busyness and we somehow drag ourselves to bed at the end of the night. And off we go again the next day, the hamper on the wheel. How about we use that internal remote control and just turn everything off, be still, be present, and hear God's voice. Great, pastor. Thank you for that. But what does God sound like? How do I know it's God? I want to do a little exercise for you that I think will help you. This is great, by the way, for parents to do with kids because if we don't begin to tune in and hear God's voice, people are going to stop talking to God because isn't it? it's a bit tiring and a bit kind of like pointless just talking to someone and they don't talk back, right? It's like talking to a wall. Is God like a wall to you? Do you hear him? So we're gonna do a little exercise. I think this will help you. I believe we did this with our children. After the count of three, I want us all to say our name out loud. Not the whole name, by the way, people. Just the first name. You can choose your actual name, your Facebook name, your nickname, what your mama call you, you can do whatever name you want, but I want you to say your name after the count of three. Can we all do that together? I hope everybody at home or in the cafe or the train or on the surfboard, wherever you might be, you can do the same thing too. All right, after the count of three, say your name and I must turn my volume down. One, two, three. Did you hear the person beside you? Let's do it one more time. After the count of three, your name out loud. Okay, it's not a competition, guys. It's not a competition. Don't have to shout louder. Okay, after the count of three one, two, three. Now, what I want you to do is do that in your imagination. I want you to say your name out loud in your imagination. After the count of three. One, two, three. We're going to do it one more time. After the count of three, you got this right, you're a great class. After the count of three, your name, same name by the way, don't change it every time. Say it out loud, you can shout all you like in your imagination. One. Two, three. That voice that you heard inside is probably very, very close to the voice of God that you will hear. It's that voice. I want you to become familiar with that voice. That's been my experience. Sounds like my voice in my imagination. But I know it's God. Because he's saying things that I don't want to say to myself. (laughs) Richard, it's time to forgive that person. Richard, you just switch that thing off. Come on, come on, Richard. Change that attitude. Well, it's not really fully sinful, God, but Richard, you know. You know it's not pleasing to me. See, I'm really, really quick to try to clarify and justify things with God. There's sin and then there's other things. Not quite sin. But God's got this horrible way of getting past the action to the intent of the heart. And I don't really like it sometimes, but I know it's part of His plan for my life, and it will make me a better person. And it will lead when, I, if I obey it, it leads to peace. You see, obedience is the pathway to peace. It really is. That's the silver medal. The gold medal is none other than the Holy Bible. The Bible. The Word of God, the Scriptures, it says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, that the Word of God is God breathed. It's awfully close to voice. God breathed. That is what it is, and it's profitable for correction and comfort and rebuke. The Word of God, it says in Psalm 119, verse 5, your Word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. God's written word is the primary way that he communicates truth to us today. It's a safe place to be. Amen to that. You have to judge prophecy. You have to be careful about godly counsel because not everyone gets it right. Even pastors can misbehave. But I'm telling you what, the Word of God, friend, you can build your life around it. It is the truth of the Word of God. It is the gold medal. It is it refutable. It's inerrant. It is to be believed. It is to be lived. It is to be received. It is to be executed. It is to be obeyed. Amen. Can someone say amen to that? Yet in this day and age, we avoid the certain and we go with the uncertain. We avoid the word of God and we go go with feelings all the time. I feel. Why do we build our lives on feelings and the uncertain sort of quicksand of emotions and opinions? When the word of God is blatantly clear in so many areas of our life. Now, I don't deny that God can speak through circumstance, but I want to tell you, if what you're hearing is in opposition and contrary, contradiction to the word of God, it is not from God. The word of God is holy. It's his primary mechanism and method of communicating to everyone in this room. And I believe whether it's godly counsel or prophecy or still small voice, In other ways, like dreams and visions, it must always be tested and measured alongside the word of God. Amen to that. Is this good teaching? This is the word of God. This is true. Who amongst us today is facing a decision, I wonder. How many of us today are facing a choice, I wonder. I'm not talking about what you're going to eat for lunch. I'm talking about that relationship. I'm talking about that use of technology. I'm talking about employment. I'm talking about migration. I'm talking about children. I'm talking about all these really significant areas in our life, choices that we're making. Does the idea that's in your mind right now agree with the Bible? That is good. Back to Christianity 101. Does that behavior that I'm involved in or you're involved in or that thought process or that choice, that decision, does it line up and agree with the scriptures? I want you to ask that question every decision. I charge every husband and father in this place, every decision you make in your home regarding entertainment, regarding the use of time, regarding a whole plethora of things that make up your home and family. I want you to keep that golden stick in your house and say, is this a part of the word of God? I want you men of God to uphold the word of God and measure everything, every decision you make and your family make against that, against what the Bible says. The Bible says to come out and be separate and be clean and be sacred and be set apart. I could go off on a whole different route. I could open this up, I'm telling you, all the scenarios that I have to deal with. And sometimes in my own soul, my attitudes. God's will never contradicts God's word. I want you to think about that. God's will. Oh, but you know, she's so cute. It'll kind of work out. Maybe if we pray, it's going to work out. No, sir. No, madam. I'm going to take on 12 jobs and I can never be a part of any Christian group anywhere. No, sir. No, madam. Can I keep going? Take on a squiggly amount of heaps and heaps of debt so I can have five cars and 10 televisions? No, sir. No, madam. I'm going to ignore my neighbors who who are desperately need Jesus and they're struggling, and you want to, and I'm going to sort of live my own life because you get one life, right? YOLO, baby. No, sir, no, madam. For followers of Jesus Christ, Derek Prince will tell us the supreme distinction amongst followers of Christ. It is the word of God and how it shapes and forms us and makes us more like him and to live differently. Therefore, disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ must be people who are regularly, I suggest, daily partaking of the word of God that it might shape and form us and fill us with hope and faith and courage and cause us to become new people. Amen to that. I'm preaching the Bible this morning. The will of God never contradicts the word of God. I see such trash in my YouTube feed from Christians. (laughs) Seriously, I'm going to be very careful not to get into political things and global things, but my goodness me, how we can stray into little fringe groups and that becomes something else. And they call themselves Christians. They don't read their Bible. They're not in a church, but they've got these little... Things going on, and you just wonder. It gets so messy, and we often look so foolish to a world that's looking on, in my humble opinion. If God said it, friends, it's true, and it will always be true. Regardless of culture, regardless of age, if God said it, it's true. So the first question it is, does this thought line up with God's word? Who wants to hear God speak? Listen to me, read your Bible. Who wants to hear God speak audibly? Like audibly, read your Bible out loud. Once again, my fellow Christians and anybody else watching online, we chase the mystical. We chase all these. Oh, prophet doodads gonna be there. The auditorium's full of people. There's a prophecy. I wear my favorite pink shirt, so they pick me out of the crowd. Oh, I want the prophecy. Have you read your Bible? No! No! I want the prophet. I'm gonna jump from church to church every three months just looking for a real good fix and a real good feel-good moment with the lights and the sound, oh the muffins and the lattes. Wait for the man of God. (gasps) Have you read your Bible? No. If you want to hear God speak, read your Bible. If you want to hear him speak audibly, read it out loud. Many Christians don't like to hear this. Many in this room don't really want to hear this message. But it's the most simplest way and secure way and safe way to hear God speak. His written word, His love letter to all of us. In the frigid waters of Greenland, there are many icebergs and scientists noticed something really, really unusual with these really big icebergs. They were floating into these harsh winds, these fierce, blustering, buffeting winds were were blasting away on the surface of the iceberg, but the iceberg was moving into it and they wondered why. The scientists did all the research and they discovered something that despite all the pressure on the surface, they were being carried along by a deep ocean current, the iceberg walls. And the gusts and the gales on the surface, they were changeable, they were unpredictable, and they were distressing. But there was another force that was deeper and even more powerful, ladies and gentlemen, which caused the iceberg, regardless of what was happening in their life, it caused them to continue to move into the trajectory that they should. And it's exactly the same with you and I. We can build inside of our lives a current, a deep down current in your life that despite the storms of life that Go, we all go through, we can keep moving into the purposes and the plans of God. And this is what you do is you pray over the prophetic and you brood over the prophetic as you seek godly counsel and godly wisdom and you get different opinions and ideas as you stay before the Lord and shut down and hear the still small voice of God and you bathe it all in daily study of the mighty word of God. And friend, I want to tell you, you build a current in your spirit. You build a current in your character. You build a current in your soul to no matter what goes on in your life, you continue in the purposes of God. That's what we do. We go through life. I go through stuff, but can I tell you what causes me to remain and continue steadfastly most of the time, almost all of the time, praise God, is because these things have become taught and put in my heart and executed in my lifestyle. You too can have the current of the purposes of God in your life as you begin to brood and pray and seek counsel, be in a connect group, get into the Word of God, and you can become, as it were, storm-proof, not storm-free. And as the current begins to move you forward, something incredible happens. More and more joy begins to come. You realize it's not about circumstance. More and more of the peace of God. More and more of security and prosperity. You don't need that other person to make you feel complete because he is enough. I'm not saying they're bad people. Just nobody will complete you except for Jesus more and more peace and joy, more and more growth, more and more influence, as something else amazing begins to happen as you begin to get more and more of Jesus, you get less and less pain, less and less regret, because you're discerning, you're hearing the still small voice, you're getting instructions from the Word of God, you're accountable in discipleship, you've got all these things working in your soul and your spirit, you see, so less and less of dumb decisions are happening, less and less of the flesh, less and less of sin is happening in your life, you get more and more of Him, praise Jesus for that. That's what happens. I just wonder who wants that kind of life. If you would be willing to avail yourself of the word of God regularly, I want to suggest daily. Being in, having an Eli in your life, getting some godly counsel, pulling out those prophecies again and listening to that still, small voice. I believe if we do that, we can't help but be moved forward in the current of the purposes of God for our life, regardless of employment, regardless of economy, regardless of the government, regardless of all these other things in our life. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding but all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. When you're in love. Now, I think, honestly, I think all of us in the room would agree that we should spend more time with God and read his word. I'm not even going to ask for hands up So why is it so hard to do it consistently? Too often we hear a message like this and we are convinced that we need to do it. We might even be convicted because of lack in our lives and we probably resolve once again, let's try to do better. But I think that doesn't work. This message is not designed to create guilt or obligation because the answer is not trying harder. Somehow resolving ourselves through willful, the answer is not to become a better time manager, although that probably is a good idea, but if we're ultimately driven by obligation and guilt, it's not gonna last because we tend to drift to the things that we love. I was pretty tired last night, but I definitely watched the All Blacks because I love watching the All Blacks. So the answer is not guilt, fear, obligation. The answer to all of this being a real thing in our lives is love. When you're in love, we will drive hours just to get 20 minutes with that person. Even if it's just a little bit of time, we do it. We don't mind staying up late. No, I'm not tired. Let's just stay here looking at the sunset. When you're in love, you don't even have to try. It's certainly not a chore. Why is it it's such a chore for so many Christians to joyfully read their Bible? Please don't resolve to try better after this message and try and fail and then try again and fail again. That's not what this message is about. This message is about when you're in love with Jesus. The solution is leading God change us. The solution is allowing God to create within us a sincere and genuine love for him. It's Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. He's writing to a church in Laodicea. It's called a lukewarm church. And it says in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. I love that scripture because it's not saying bust down the door. He's saying I'm knocking at the door. If you simply open the door, I will come in. You see, here's the facts, friend. We need God to help us love God. This challenges me. Does it challenge you? Are you in love with God more than any other person or thing? I think we all have to answer that honestly today. As I do, I think you do too. We've come to this place of acknowledging that we don't love him like we know we should or we'd like to. It almost feels blasphemous to say it, but it's actually a helpful thing to acknowledge our true condition. And say, God, I don't love you, but I want to love you fully and completely. I want to be in love with you. We, we lose track of time. I have to be reminded of the meal. I have to be reminded to follow up with people. I have to be reminded to go to work. I, I, I want to so love you. And I can't seem to create that. Can you come into my heart and create change, create a revolution so that my desire's Change and my appetites change for you. Please do that. Have you cried out to Him like I have, like that? Why am I caught in this body of flesh, God, where I'm so easily drawn aside from the very thing that I know will satisfy me? Can we close our eyes? Can we close our eyes? We need God to do something supernatural. to genuinely create love for him. If you're not in love with Jesus, would you like him to help you love him? Do you need God to do something in your heart to create change? He's knocking at the door right now. Will you open the door to him? He's writing to a church, so-called Christians. This is a holy moment. and While eyes are closed, I want to ask you, if you'd be willing to say, Pastor, that is me, can you pray for me? I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm not going to ask you to come down to the front But well, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand nice and high and I can see it and only me so that I know that I'm praying for someone. If that's you, can you please put your hand in the ear? Say, please pray for me. I don't love Jesus like I want to and I need God to help me with that. Anyone want to put their hand up in the air? Anyone? It's between you and the Lord. Between you and the Lord. Thank you. you. Can put your hand down, Father. I pray for these people, these men and these women. Lord, would you do something amazing in their life? Lord, we're asking you to do a supernatural surgery in our hearts, that you'd remove these people and these things out of our heart that have that have stolen the throne in our hearts. Lord, I'm praying, Lord, that you, by your supernatural power, will, would, would do a shift and a change. Lord, that you'd remove and you'd pl- you'd come and sit in the center of our hearts and be Lord and God and Savior. And beyond that, our best friend, our closest confidant, the one we treasure most. Lord, I'm praying, Lord, change us, cause us to be hungry for you. Cause us to long for you, cause our soul to thirst for you more than anything or anyone else, I pray. In your precious name, Lord, we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us. To know more about Every Nation Auckland City, you can visit our website www.everynationauckland.city. For more messages like this, You can subscribe to this podcast through Spotify, Apple Podcasts and wherever you listen to podcasts.